0: Hello, and welcome to Michigan and Other Mayhem, the show about Michigan, murder, mysteries, histories, and other mayhem from around the world. Your hosts are Allie and Jen. Okay, Jen, let's do this thing. Hello, Jen. Allie. All right, guess what? What? Cue fake podcast music. Da-da-da-da-da-da. Da-da. See, you weren't expecting it, were you?
1: No, I wasn't. Uh, Being in the third season, I figured you would give up.
0: I know, I know. And you know what? I
1: haven't. (laughs) People like it, though.
0: People enjoy
1: it. And see, you wanted to seek out some, you know, professional music and come to find out they like your music.
0: Yeah, they like my skills with a Z. What can I say? There you go. What's been going? Okay. What's been going on? Okay. Have you ever had just a bad run of luck?
1: Yeah. I regularly on a daily basis, like I'm going to be cursed and then I'm cursed.
0: Okay. This is what happened to me in the last few days. Thursday, my new Pikachu watch breaks. I have a, a, a few things at work that go wrong. The next day I'm at work. A few more things go wrong. I go to plug in my headphones and they basically like all I can explain it as they explode, like literally it starts to come apart. And when I try to like <laughs> pick it up to see what's happening, it just fell literally into about five pieces. I didn't know what to do. I didn't even know how to pick it up to throw it away. OK, so I was like, that's fine. That's fine. Because, you know, I listen to podcasts during work. So it's what keeps me happy. I was like, that's fine. I have a backup pair in case something fucking disastrous like this happens. I don't want to be without headphones. I have a second pair. I grabbed my second pair and they refused to connect to the phone for some reason. They just wouldn't. They were like, do, do, no. <laughs> and I was just like, what? So I had, I throw, I, in a fit of anger, I throw out my backup pair. Now I have no headphones. Then I'm like, that's fine because I'm going to take my niece and nephew out later. We're going to have a good time. Let's just focus on the good stuff. So, like, Mike and I get in the car. We go to the ATM. We stop to get some money so that we can throw it in my daughter's birthday card. And the ATM is down. <laughs> we have to go to like the next thing yeah we have to go to the next but we get to do it, i won't put out just like just go to any fucking bank and we'll pay the price right whatever they fee they make you pay for going to the wrong bake. fuck it we'll pay it let's just get the fucking money and get out of here he's like okay we'll do that we do that <laughs> then we go to we're like all right let's get some gas because it's a long drive to my mom's house all the way out in holly we get we go to get the gas pump is broken
1: pump is broken yeah at this point i would have turned around and went home
0: i probably should have we probably should have but no, we we go forward to be stuck in traffic for two hours (laughs) and i was just like oh if i knew how to sing the blues i would have been singing them i was just like really (laughs) right like like, yeah what is
1: somebody what is the world trying to tell you
0: Yes, yeah, so I'm like, yeah, and at one point we go to turn into a gas station. Okay, we're going to turn into one gas station originally, and there's this bike, this person riding a bike in front of it. And uh, for some reason, the guy behind us, I don't know if he doesn't see the bike, but he honks at Mike to turn into the gas station, even though if he were to turn into the gas station, he'd run over the kid on the bicycle. And for some reason, he goes, okay, fuck it. I just won't stop at this gas station. Then And then we stop at the next gas station, and the pump is out. And I was just like, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. So it was just one of those days. I was like, I feel like I did something and someone's like, um, curse you, bitch.
1: <laughs> right. Like it must be karma from some time long yeah, like, ago.
0: I hurt somebody at some point somewhere <laughs> and it's now coming back on me. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry for whatever I did truly.
1: Now you just gotta like look at people and be like was it you? Hello, I appreciate you.
0: <laughs> I know, right? Thank you, and I'm sorry if I've upset you.
1: <laughs> right. but,
0: yes. So, what about you?
1: I got not. I have nothing to follow after that.
0: So, yeah, oh, you haven't had anything terrible happen, or <laughs> I got wonderful.
1: I mean, no, I got nothing. Um. Yeah, work, school. Yeah, I have nothing to tell our listeners. Oh, I mowed, I, I mowed the lawn oh
0: for the gosh. first time,
1: time and got my leaves up and cleaned my patio off because I seen on the news that there was snow in the UP, so it'll be here in no time. Ordered some salt for delivery uh, for the winter because obviously I need to get my shit together. Well, um, I'm thinking another month and a half.
0: Yeah, well, I did see this report that said, will it be, you know, really cold this year? We're not sure, but we do know it's going to be wet. And I'm like, wait, that means rain and snow? I hate this place.
1: <laughs> if it And, and I've learned
0: uh-huh.
1: now spending time at the lake. Okay. Because that if it does not snow and you get more rain than snow... Or you mm. just don't get any type of weather. It's just cold, no snow. Yeah, it is a shitty, rainy summer. Uh, it has got to snow. It, right. it has to. It has to snow quite a bit, or the summer sucks.
0: I think it will. That's well, how it's
1: been going. I've been yeah. tracking it.
0: I know, right? You're like, this is what I'm, I'm telling you. This is the weather pattern,
1: <laughs> right? All
0: right. Now I have a question: Is your your story anything? Less than horrifying. Mine is a parasite, which is where you kill your family members. Nice. Yeah. What's yours?
1: Uh, Mine's the murder of John and Carolyn Tarwaki. Okay. From Niles, Michigan. And I will say, I know, you know, how people, they made comments, Mm -hmm. you know, we should pronounce people's names right. Even though if you're not doing this kind of thing, you don't realize that pronouncing people's names right, even though you desperately want to, it just can be difficult.
0: Or even just pronouncing all the words right. Right.
1: <laughs> right. There's all kinds of words. They or getting wouldn't dates. They not believe it. Yeah, it's
0: specific it's you...
1: dates, you know, in the right sense, cent- you know, right sense. Uh-huh.
0: Cent- true,
1: true. You know, things, things. But I will say I know that I'm pronouncing it right because... I have this new thing, this new Google phone, and you click a button and you talk to it. And it, I said their name, and they brought it brought up their uh, like spelled it right and brought the article up. So I'm like, okay, I'm pronouncing it correctly. Google, <laughs> right, bring Google it
0: recognized up. it. Yeah,
1: they spelled it the same the right way. I'm okay. thinking I'm good. Sweet. Everybody like, know that I'm trying.
0: Do you want to go first or last?
1: I think I should go last.
0: Okay. All right, mine's, if a you're going to... mine's a little bit longer. Mine's a little bit longer, I must say.
1: Well, that that's fine, but you're going to kill a shit ton of people, and I'm only I... going to talk about two.
0: Okay, yeah, I'm going to kill six people. So I got most of my stuff from Wikipedia and Murderpedia. It's one of those times where I just like, chilled out in Murderpedia. So I think I've said before that one time I was babysitting for this woman. She was a single mother. She had two kids. They were four and seven. I was like 16, 17. I I think it was 17. I used to babysit in the summertime while the mom worked the second shift as a waitress at a bar. And um, she would come home at like 1.30, 2 o'clock at night. Well, one day my dumbass gets the idea that I should start to read the Amityville horrors while sitting in the bottom of the tri-level in the middle of the night, you know, nine ten o'clock at night. Terrifying. Sounds like a solid
1: plan.
0: Yeah, yeah, terrified myself. And for some reason, I was particularly afraid of the fact that the windows were behind me and they had no curtains, that people could see me, you know what I'm saying? And I, and I can't see them because it's dark out there, but it's light in the room. So they can see me through the window, but I can't see them out there. And for some reason, that idea just freaked the fuck out of me. So I couldn't get up off the couch. And I remember thinking the kids who are at the top part of the tri level, like, I hope they're all right because I'm not checking on them because I literally can't get up from this couch. (laughs) (laughs) I was just too fucking scared. And when the mom came home, I waited till I like saw her at the top of the stairs. She's like, Oh, you're just sitting here so quiet, even the TV's not on. I was like, I know. (laughs) I was too scared (laughs) to turn on the TV. I was just terrified. But it is the Okay, and so I'm reading the Amityville horror books, but what got me the most was the Amityville horror story are about the, this family called the Lutzes, and they move into the house, and they feel like they're being, um, like, terrorized by this demonic entity. And because before they moved in, there was a family with six members killed. Uh, two parents and four out of the five kids were murdered in that house. And they think that that's what caused the story of Amityville horror to happen. And so I'm going to talk about the family that was killed before the, the Amityville horror story. So are you ready? Okay. So there's the seven members of the DeFeo family. And at this point they're living in Amityville, New York. It's 1974. And they've lived there for about nine years. And the dad is Ronald DeFeo and him and his wife, Louise, they have four children and uh, five children. I mean, Ronald Jr., who was called Butch, and we're going to call him Butch for the rest of this thing, but his name is Ronald Jr., he's 23 in 1974, Dawn was 18, that's the oldest daughter, then Allison is 13, Mark is 12, and John Matthew is 9, and they all live on 112 Ocean Avenue, which is a really large, like, two-story house, but then it has, like, the, um, the attic is, like, basically its own story, like, a third story. One of those houses. I don't know if you've ever seen him. Yeah, I've seen it. Okay, so Ronald Sr., he was known to beat his wife, Louise, just absolutely brutally. And Butch had friends in his high school that would refuse to come to his house to see him at home. Because Ronald Sr. would beat Louise in front of his son's friends. So you'd be there visiting oh. <laughs> and all of a sudden you just see the mom get her ass beat by the dad. And you're at just some your friend's house. It was just horrifying. So, one day when Ronald's beating Luis, Butch, who's a teenager at this point, points a loaded shotgun at his dad's face and he yells, and I'll quote, leave that woman alone. I'm gonna kill you, you fat fuck. This is it. End quote. And he actually pulls the trigger. But somehow the gun misfires and... Yeah, and it doesn't kill him. And when the gun doesn't go off, he just turns around and leaves the room. And everybody just is like, goes back to whatever they were doing. You know what I mean? Okay. And... Yeah, I know. Well then it something like that happens again later when he's out with his friends, they're out hunting, and all of a sudden he takes a gun and points it at one of his friends. And he's like the friend's like, what the fuck? you know, because they're arguing and he's known this guy for years. And so the friend feels uncomfortable and he leaves, and later that day, Butch is like, Why'd you leave early? Because like motherfucking pointed a gun at me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what the shit? So as the oldest son and his namesake, you know, Ronald Sr.'s namesake. Butch took a lot of physical abuse from his dad, Ronald, and as Butch grew into a man, the physical verbal fights with Ronald, they became really intense. And Ronald and Louise started to take Butch to see a therapist without Ronald Sr. ever taking responsibility for his violent outbursts towards his family. So they're like, oh, look, he's messed up. But the dad's like, geez, I don't know why. <laughs> you know. Oh what my I, mean? God. I know, right? So I don't. Yeah. Okay. So Consequently, I think he's self-medicating because Butch starts to drink heavily and he becomes addicted to heroin. And he was a heavy user of methamphetamine and LSD. And at age 18, I think it's in 1970, he begins working at his grandfather's Buick dealership. And this is the same dealership that his dad works at. And even though Butch didn't put a lot of effort toward his job, he still received a check And he received a weekly cash stipend from his dad. So he gets money for a job he does shittily, And then his dad also gives him extra cash. And they gave him a new car to drive around in. But, you know, he has this drug addiction and it costs a lot of money. And he needs even more money than his parents are already, like, feeding him. And at the end of October 1974, when he's in his 20s, at this point about 23, Butch was asked to drop off a deposit at the bank for the dealership. And in total he had about $20,000 and this is in 19, you know, 74. That's a lot of fucking money. I mean, it's a lot now, but it's even more money in 1974. And he leaves for his errand to take with a coworker to take the money to the bank. And they don't come back for 2 hours. And when they do come back, they're like, "Oh my god, we couldn't deposit the money because we were robbed on the way to the bank." So Ronald senior calls the police and he's like, "Oh shit, you know, he he believes that Butch has been robbed. But then as soon as the cops get there, Butch is acting like so suspicious. So he wouldn't give the police like any information about the robbery, like even what the robber looked like. And he would become like enraged and is like pounding on the top of a car when they're like continue to question him. Like, why did you come back two hours after you got robbed? You know, why didn't you immediately come back to the dealership? And he just like refuses to answer their questions. And now his dad's like, fuck it. I think this kid's guilty, right? About a week and a half later, Butch is asked to go to the police station to look at these mugshots. So they're like, "We want to see if you can, you know, identify a robber." And at the very last minute, Butch declines to go to the station to look at the photos. And Ron and Butch get into this screaming match at work over him not going. And the fight ends with Butch threatening to kill his dad before he speeds off in his car. So, on November thirteenth, nineteen seventy-four. This is the day that all but one of the DeFeos would be found shot to death. Butch shows up to work at 6 a.m., which is, uh, you know, he was on time crazy. He leaves at noon because he's like, oh, there's nothing to do. So he decides to leave at noon. He meets up with his girlfriend, Sherry, around 1.30. And he casually, like, mentions to Sherry that his dad didn't come into work that day. And then he calls his parents' house from Sherry's house. And he just hangs up like, oh, I guess nobody's answering. And then he goes and spends the afternoon with his friends shooting up heroin. So Butch was supposed to meet a couple friends at Henry's, which is a local bar around around 6 p.m. that night. And when he gets there, again, he mentions to them like, oh, you know, there's cars in my parents driveway, but nobody's in the house answering the phone. I'm, you know, I'm probably gonna have to break a window to get into the house and, you know, to check on my family. And then they talk about it for a minute. and He's like, well, let me go to the house. So he takes these. Takes the quick trip to the house because it's not that far from the bar. And he's like, I'm going to go check on everyone. And around 630, Robert comes back to Henry's, the bar, and he announces that his parents had been shot. And Joseph Yeswit, he was a patron and he was a friend of Butch's. He goes back to Butch's house with some other people in the car. So people, a couple of people load up in the car and they drive back to Butch's house. And there they find the murdered family. So Joe calls 911 and here's like a small portion of the call. So Joe says, "It's a shooting." And the operator says, "There's a shooting? Anybody hurt?" And Joe says, "Huh?" And the operator says, "Anybody hurt?" And Joe said, "Yeah, it's uh it's uh everybody's dead." And the operator says, "What do you mean everybody's dead?" And Joe's like, "I don't know what happened. Kid came running in the bar. He says everybody in the family was killed and we came down here." Now at this point they'd actually only gone in and seen the parents and assumed everybody else was dead without going any further into the house. But all of the six of the DeFeos who were in the house that night, Ronald, Louise, and the four youngest children, they had been shot to death with a thirty five caliber Marlin rifle. Ronald and Louise had been shot twice, and they were believed to be the first victims of, like, the killing rampage. And it's believed that Butch's two brothers, the youngest, were then shot to death while lying in bed, and they slept in the same room together. Each boy, each of the young boys, had been shot in the back, the 9 and the 12-year-old. And the two older da- daughters were shot in the face and head, and Dawn is 18 and Allison was 13. All of the DeFeos were found lying face down on their stomachs in their beds. And due to the similar positions of their bodies, it's believed that the killer posed them. So he, they killed them and then like flipped them over on their backs and covered them up and stuff. And they think that it would take one singular person about 15 minutes to go into each room, kill each of the people, and then you know make sure they're laying on their stomachs as if they're sleeping. They believe the murders took place around 3.15 a.m. while everyone was sleeping. And that was 15 hours before Butch arrived at the bar. So Butch first claimed that the murders were committed by this mafia hitman named Louis Fellini. And this wasn't too like out of hand because Ronald senior's uncle was Peter DeFeo. And Peter was known to be an upper level mob member of the Genovese crime family. So the, the DeFeos were mob connected and Louis Fellini had spent some time temporarily living at the DeFeo's house when he needed somewhere to stay. But, Bert himself becomes a suspect when he asks the police officer, like almost right away after his parents, are, he finds, you know, after they say everybody's dead, how long it's going to, what does he have to do? He has, what does he have to do to collect his parents' life insurance? <laughs> and they're like, the fuck? Yeah. yeah. And then a police officer found rifles and ammunition for, um, in Butch's closet. And the 35 caliber Marlin rifle was found in Butch's closet. And it matches the caliber of a gun that kills everybody in the family. So police match this information. And the, they think about the tent, pretend robbery because he needed money then, too. So now, again, they think he's doing something for money. And they decide to bring him in for the murders. So when interrogated, Butch does confess to the murders of his entire family. But, like, he was, he, since that very moment, he has been constantly telling different stories about what happened that night. And he even tells, you know, different stories about how many people he was actually responsible for killing. So during the trial, Butch's lawyer claims the insanity defense. He said that Butch, who was high on drugs, believed that he was defending himself like when he shot his family. He thought they were plotting against them. And he said he heard voices telling him he had to kill his family in order to survive. They were coming for him. He had to kill them first. But another psychiatrist that testified for the prosecution Said that Butch did have antisocial personality disorder, but despite his heavy drug use, he was aware of his actions on the night he killed his family. Either way, he was found guilty on six counts of six-degree murder. Yeah, second-degree murder. I'm sorry. Six counts of second-degree murder. And he was sentenced to 150 years in jail. So these murders, because he tells different stories and there's all sorts of different things going on, there are a lot of, like, inconsistencies and conspiracy theories. And I'm going to tell you about a few of them. Okay. Okay. I call it a conspiracy controversy. So consp- a CC1, a conspiracy controversy, is there were people who lived nearby and they recall hearing the DeFeo's dog barking in the early morning hours, like right around 3 a.m. when the murders should have been going on. But they, nobody claimed to hear any gunshots. And it wasn't believed that a silencer was used. So they, that was always they, you know seen as something odd about the murders. But if you read into it, you find out that the dog was tied up outside the house at the boathouse on the South Shore. So it's not the dog's outside. So you're probably going to hear the dog outside less than you're going to hear somebody inside doing something. And I was reading through a few Internet fights about whether or not it was raining the night of the murders, because one people are like, you know, it was raining that night and other people were like, no, it wasn't. It was, that's just in the movie. And that's why everybody thinks it happened. Well, finally, like the one person shows a snapshot of the weather section of the New York times newspaper that describes, you know, in the weather section, it described that that night there was rain, but it wasn't like a powerful storm. So there wasn't like thunder and crashing, you know, thunder or anything, but it was raining. So that might've muffled the gunshots. Conspiracy controversy, too. According to the police, there wasn't any sign of a struggle from the murder de DeFeo's, and there's no evidence that a sedative was used. So, meaning that after the first shot, the other family members should have woken up and shown some type of resistance. Like, they either fought or tried to run away, but that's not what the evidence shows. So, right. but twice in a confessional statement, he says he did drug his family, but because he can't, but his stories can't be trusted, though. The medical examiner says he didn't find any traces of sedative, but we know that Butch had access to a lot of different drugs. And what if he put, you know, slipped a molly in their drinks or something and, you know, I don't know, something they didn't know to look for in 1974. I'm just guessing. Right. Okay. Conspiracy controversy number three. Dawn, who was 18 years old, had gunpowder on her nightgown. And that indicated she might actually have shot a gun recently. And there were rumors that Butch and his sister Dawn had an incestuous relationship together. So they're like, look, she she might have shot. It looks like, you know, even though she's dead, it looks like she had shot a gun. But the police do not pursue this in any way after Butch confesses. And there's times that Butch's confessional stories do involve Dawn killing some of the family members. But they never follow that. They're like, look, he said, you know, he's guilty. That's it. We don't need to look further.
1: Like, together, they murdered the family, and then he murdered her.
0: Yep, and I'm actually going to tell you some of the stories he told about that. Which. Good call, John. Which, Good call, John. Which <laughs> yeah. would make
1: sense, because that's when you were telling the story. That's what I was thinking, like, all right, my family's being murdered. I'm in bed. I'm going to hear this. I'm going to get yeah. up.
0: Right. Minimum. Get up. But
1: two people could have covered that.
0: Yeah. Maybe you just did it real quick, right? By the time anybody starts to wake up and think, like, what the fuck is it? They're already dead. Right. Okay. So, conspiracy controversy four. In a 1986 interview, Butch said his sister, Dawn, had actually started this whole thing when she shot her father. And that their mother, Louise, got upset at Dawn for this and shoots and kills Dawn. And then Butch gets mad at his mom and then shoots his mom. And then he said after that, he felt he had to shoot his other siblings because he didn't want to leave any witnesses. Why? Because he was afraid of his mom's father. So his maternal grandfather, the mob guy who was connected to the mob. And he didn't want to leave anybody who could identify him as the person that killed his mom. That's one of his stories. Okay. That involves Dawn conspiracy controversy number five in 1990 so four years later butch said Don and an unknown accomplice killed his family so Don and another person and he was sleeping on the couch and he he woke up when the guns went off when the guns went off but he wasn't able to see the other person because they ran away as he woke up and tries to orient himself remember he's all fucked up on drugs he is like totally gone off his mind on drugs butch then claims he only shot dawn in the head on accident when they were struggling over the rifle. So he killed one person and it was on accident. So during this time, though, Butch also claims that he was married to Geraldine Gates in the 1970s. He said that he was with Geraldine's brother, Richard Romando, during the time of the murders. But, and, okay, wait, wait. But Geraldine, she did marry Butch, but she married Butch in 1989, 15 years after everybody died. And they were married until 1993. And Geraldine does not have a brother named Richard Romando. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Just a, a side note he was also married to um, Barbara Pucco or Pucco, Puco or Puco, P U C O, from 1994 to 1999. And he married for a third time from 2012 to 2015.
1: Uh oh uh yeah apparently
0: he can really pull the ladies you know what I mean so conspiracy controversy number six the final one in 1992 Butch asked for a retrial and he claimed that his sister Dawn killed their family and that he flew into a rage and he only killed Dawn in revenge so now he killed one person and this time it's on purpose but it did not go he did not you know get a retrial it did not go in his favor And I want to say, though, side note, number two, in 1984, 1984, Butch was awarded $300 in damages from the state of New York due to mistreatment. So he was mistreated by the guards, and he was awarded money from a judge about his poor treatment. Really? Yeah. So that must have been bad. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So tell me, do you have anything not as fucking horrible as that? (laughs) (laughs)
1: What's horrible just not as much horribleness
0: okay talk to me
1: so the murder of john and carolyn tarwaki from niles michigan the couple worked for a local music store okay and one day for their shift they didn't show up and then the co-workers became concerned at this point i thought to myself if i didn't show up to work probably nobody would be concerned Okay. Like shocked that people are actually concerned. (laughs) People probably wouldn't even notice if I didn't come to work.
0: No, we absolutely would. Although honestly, my first thought would be you're working from home.
1: Yeah. See? Yeah, I I
0: wouldn't think that you were missing. I would just be like, oh, she's not here. She's working from home because I know you're working. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: So John, John was age 42 and Carolyn was age 39 and they were found murdered. This was in February of 2010. Okay. They were beaten, stabbed, and shot. It was said to be an extremely brutal
0: death. Oh, beaten and shot, you said?
1: Yep. Be- <sighs> beaten, shot, uh-huh. and stabbed.
0: Oh, Jesus. Yeah, somebody out there did a number on them.
1: Yeah. As police investigated this scene, they followed up on, you know, 400-plus leads. Interviewed hundreds of people. The case was no closer to being solved. They did believe the couple knew their killer based on their dog. So when they went into the scene, the dog, which was a mastiff, didn't show any signs of, you know, being in a fight. Okay. Fast forward to 2012. An arrest was made in the case. A few people that were interviewed told police that a uh, Kenneth Lintz, L-I-N-T-Z, age 28, okay. had told them information about the murders. Keith did live in the same neighborhood. The police had testimony that Keith talked about. Details only the murderer would know. They uh. found... They found a footprint that could have been Keith. The case was clearly only based on circ- circumstantial evidence. Yes. Keith was quickly put on trial. This was like you they arrested this guy and then just quickly, all of a sudden, he's on trial. Not like how we normally see where things take forever.
0: Yeah, where they have to go through their arraignment and this right. and that. Right. Okay. Yeah, okay.
1: Very quick, he was put on trial after his arrest, and then he was found guilty of first-degree murder and sentenced to life in prison without parole. In 2015, uh, in 2015 he did try to appeal his conviction and loss. He continues to stand by the fact that he's innocent.
0: Okay. That is crazy.
1: And I would say that if he is innocent yeah probably shouldn't be all going around talking about a murder,
0: I know right. It's like I don't know who you think you're flexing for, but it's not working
1: right like why are you out there talking about a murder?
0: yeah, yeah, I no, did no, think it asshole. was in- I
1: did think it was interesting that it was done so quickly. I mean it was pushed through the system like no other
0: right, you know, yeah as I say that is shady,
1: yeah, like why, why did? what made his case different than any other case because i think this would've been the quickest arrest and uh conviction trial and conviction that we've seen
0: yeah that is cra- yeah as i was gonna say that is highly suspicious watch him exactly all right jen i will talk to you later Contact us at Anchor or Michigan and Other Mayhem at gmail dot com or on Facebook to join the conversation, listen to the podcast or correct us when necessary. Rate and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast provider. Bye bye now.